Greetings to you all from the holy city of Jerusalem. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and I am profoundly grateful that my dear friends, Pastors Buck and Amy Schaefer, have invited me to participate even in this small way with the vast army of prayer that is being raised today in the greater Pittsburgh area. I have known Pastors Buck and Pastor Amy for a long time, uh, perhaps not for the full quarter century plus that they have reached hearts and changed lives in Pennsylvania. But for many years, I've had an opportunity already to get to know and understand what lies in their own hearts and the love they have for the word of God. I don't think that I can do better than to cite the words of King David, who walked these very streets that I have been walking on today so many years ago. King David wrote in the book of Psalms, Psalm number 121, verse 4. Hine, lo yanum shomer Yisrael. Behold, the guardian of Israel neither dozes nor slumbers. And even in these dark times, those words serve as a clarion call to the future, reminding us that all of us, you there, and my wife Susan and I over here, we are all part of God's plan for human destiny to grow in the shadow and as a reflection of his word of the Torah. It was in the 70s and up into the 80s that the first signs of America's serious and dramatic departure from its Christian roots became evident to many of us. It was a disturbing time because we saw and I wrote and published and spoke on the incredible number of books that had been published in the United States of America during that short period, all of them attacking Christianity. It was a very disturbing time. It was disturbing to me that the Anti-Defamation League of B'nai B'rith, an organization that had originally been founded in order to combat anti-Semitism, founded by Jewish leaders, had now associated itself with the move to try and transform America from a Judeo-Christian-based society into a secular society. And yes, the ADL published a book attacking all of those, mostly Christian leaders, who were doing everything in their power to maintain the biblical nature of American culture. I am proud to be included. I'm very proud to be included in that book as another one of the enemies in the eyes of the Anti-Defamation League. I, I apologize for that. I've had to uh, leave my phone available to uh, be on hand um, for uh, in certain urgent things that have been cropping up uh, while I am here in Jerusalem. Um, and so what, uh, what I'm trying to say is that the emergence of a secularized America led to the next step. And it is not hard 
to connect the dots that led from a secularizing America to an America that shifted its mood from being supportive of Israel and of the Jewish people to a society in which its cultural institutions, mostly university education, parts of politics, parts of media and entertainment, began to shift their allegiance and see Israel as the enemy. The fact is that for many, many, many years, there has been a war between the culture of the Quran and the twin civilizations of the Bible, Judaism and Christianity. And it is only in that alliance between Jews and Christians that there lies any hope at all in the future, not only for Israel, but for America as well. Behold, the guardian of Israel neither dozes nor slumbers. He will watch over Israel, but we also pray for him to watch over America and to pray not only for Israel to be able to endure, for Israel to receive his divine assistance, and for Israel to be able to overcome its current time of adversity. But we must also pray for God's kindness and grace to help restore the original values that built the United States of America. For without that, America, God forbid, will sink into a morass of secular fundamentalism, moving from that to decadence, to depravity, and ultimately to irrelevance. And the only hope is a restoration of those underlying bedrock principles found in God's word, that word that you and I revere, do our best to live by, and do our best to raise our children in. I'm so grateful for my friendship with Pastor Buck and Pastor Amy, a friendship that Susan and I cherish, and so grateful for all of you gathering together today to be part of a worldwide outpouring of beseeching to our God and asking him to remember his promise. He will neither doze nor slumber, for he is the guardian of Israel. Let us pray. Amen. Is this on, I think? Yeah, I really appreciate what Rabbi Lapin was saying. Uh, uh, Am Yisrael Chai, we say, the people of Israel live. And it's interesting, there is coming what appears to be a very strange coalition between secular humanism and Islamic jihadists in this country. And you can see it through the demonstrations on the universities. And it's an interesting thing because if, as anti-Semitism begins to increase, and we know that the script, what the scriptures say about that, is that what will get Jews back to the land? The Bible speaks of an aliyah, not just out of Egypt, but from every corner of the earth. And it's an interesting thing. I want to say, as I was driving over here, and I do want to pray, and I want to respect Pastor Buck's time. I don't want to just take a minute or two. But I just want to share my heart with you for, for a second. As I was driving over here today, I was thinking about something. If somebody came and attacked this church, you would see that as an attack against you personally. You know that. Now, you say when, when, the, when there is an attack against Jerusalem, I want to tell you, that is an attack against Yeshua personally. Because, you know, Yeshua is, is in a sense, we say, I, you know, he is representative of Israel. The life of Israel is recapitulated, paralleled in his own life, except that wherever Israel fails, he succeeds so that in him and through him, Israel will ultimately become restored Israel. But I, I only say that because that's, an, that's a personal attack against him. I mean, think about that. 
you know, when Rabbi Paul said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, and I wish that I would myself were a curse for Israel, who do you think was saying that was, that was the heart of Yeshua installed in Rabbi Paul speaking through him? And Yeshua did become cursed. That's how much he loves Israel. And now the nations are joined. And I just, one last thing, and I want to pray in Hebrew, a, a very old prayer in Hebrew, but along the lines also of victory, freedom, that the mouth of the serpent would regurgitate hundreds of thousands of Muslims that are caught in this ancient curse, these ancient vengeances and animosities and hostility and enmities that go back thousands and thousands of years that's compounded. It's not a political situation. It is a spiritual situation. And we are praying for these Muslims that are caught. We love Arabs. We love, we love the Palestinians. And I want to tell you, if there was, a, if there was an Arab uh, uh, believer up here, and I'm a Jewish believer, it doesn't matter if we disagree. We're never going to agree on all the issues and, 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 and minutiae of the land issues. But he's got Yeshua in his heart. I've got Yeshua in my heart. And I could say, you're, brother, come on over here because you're easy to love. And he would say to me the same thing, come on over here because you're easy to love. Because, and that is the, the only solution to the Middle East is, is, that, is the life of Yeshua birthed in the hearts of both Arabs and Jews. And one last thing, um, uh, you know, this idea, um, uh, this idea of the second coming of Yeshua to the earth. That's, this is real, folks. This is, this is happening. And I want to tell you something. You cannot separate the second coming of Yeshua to the earth to the battle over Jerusalem. You read Zechariah 14, that's coming up from down here. Revelation 19, that's coming up from down here. It's the same event. The, the second coming of Yeshua is intrinsically connected to the battle against the enemies over Jerusalem. It is one event. It is intrinsically connected. And, and I want to tell you something. One last, that, that the Satan is terrified, is absolutely threatened of Jews living in the land. Even more than us Christians getting saved and going to heaven. That doesn't affect the devil. That doesn't affect the devil directly. You understand that. Remember, six times in the New Covenant Scriptures, he is the God of this lower part of the universe. He usurped that from Adam. He took that from him. He is shaking in his boots because he knows prophecy. And he knows that, that Jewish people living in the land, even though they're unsaved, is more of a threat to the devil because that is ultimately going to lead to the greatest revival in the history of the world. A revival that will make the second chapter of Acts not even look like a bar mitzvah. It'll look like a birthday. And, and, and uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, uh, Zechariah 12, um, um, Ezekiel chapter 13 all talk about this revival. So first come, it's the book of Acts reversed because in the book of Acts, Yeshua ascended, then, uh, th th then the revival broke out, then persecution. Now it's the reverse. There's persecution, but there's coming revival. And he knows, he knows that Jews living in the land in unbelief will ultimately be revived and be rebirthed and they will ultimately cry the heart, the cry of all cries, Baruch HaBab Hashem. And he can hear those keys jingling, friends. He knows his time is short. He knows he's going into that pit. And he is threatened by Yeshua coming back. And he knows them living in the land is the first of a two-stage process. And so we pray for our Jewish people. Let me just pray this blessing. And I know I've already taken too much time. I know Pastor Buck gets very nervous sometimes. I think of him. <laughs> Anyway, I really appreciate this church and Pastor and Amy, and and um, and it's a privilege. It's really an honor to be to be able to be here. And I love my wife and my daughter and my son-in-law. And uh, so, uh, this is a prayer we pray at our congregation. Uh, it's a blessing over the Mashiach, Messiah. Uh, if you're first learning Hebrew, don't look at your neighbor because it's very guttural. Baruch uh, Adonai. Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natananu et derech ha-yeshua, b'meshiach yeshua. Amen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has given us the way of salvation in Messiah Yeshua. Amen.
Kaddish uh, means sanctification. It's a prayer that goes back to the first temple. Uh, parts of the Kaddish, were, it's, it is believed that were uttered uh, after the ineffable name of God was uttered, the four consonants, and the people would prostrate themselves and fall on the face and say parts of the Kaddish. The Kaddish is inspired by Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 23, in, where the, in which the prophet envisions a time when God will become extolled, not just in the eyes of Israel, but all nations. In that day, God will be king. So the, the Kaddish anticipates the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. And I'll just read the beginning, and then I'll translate in the very end, and I'll translate, and that'll be it. Yitkadal v'yikadash shemei rabah ba'alma divrach hirutei v'yamlich machutei v'chayei kon uv'yomei kon uv'chayol v'yit Israel ba'agalamah uv'izman ka'ariv v'imru, amen. Magnified and sanctified be his great name in the world which he has created according to his will. May he establish his kingdom during your lifetime and during your days and during the life of the whole house of Israel, even swiftly and soon. And all said, Amen. Amen. One, one last. Thank you. Go ahead. One last thing. I'll just do, skip to this very last part. And uh, it has been our tradition growing up as a boy in our uh, synagogue in Scarsdale, New York, to set this to cantillation. Uh, that is not my first area of giftedness, but uh, we'll give it a go here. And it goes like this. Uh, this is about the last piece. It says, Oh, say shalom bimromav. Huya say shalom aleinu. Ve'al kol Yisrael. Vihimru, vihimru, amen. Oh, say shalom bimromav. Who ya say shalom aleinu, ve'al kol Yisrael, v'himru, v'himru, amen. You can join in. Oh, say shalom, oh, say shalom, shalom aleinu, ve'al kol Yisrael, oh, say shalom, oh, say shalom, shalom aleinu. They all call Yisrael. May he who makes peace in his high places make peace upon us and upon all Israel and all say amen. Come on, give Jesus praise. Thank you, Lord. We agree right now for the peace of Jerusalem and we stand together with our Jewish brothers and we thank you, Lord, and we praise you, Lord, for these last days, what you are doing. And we rejoice in it in Jesus' name. You can give it to them. Come on, give the Lord praise. Wow, 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 wow. Hey, don't forget, uh, I got this note before church, and, and I think it's important. Uh, we're going to fill the food bank. It's kind of depleted because of all the people that have had need. But this week, life groups and everyone in the church, can we bring canned soups, box of meals, mac and cheese, hamburger helper, and some noodles? How many can do that when you're grabbing something for you? Just wait, wait, wait. We're going to stop there. For, how many can do that? That's something easy. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna do, how many can do that? That's something easy. That's not. That's about 80%. How many can do that? That's something easy. So many times in church we think about just us, but how many know it's easy to get a little bag of groceries so we can meet the needs of other people? And when whatever the devil tries to bring against us, how many know the church will always have more than enough? We've got about a 50,000 square foot area. I want to fill it with food before Thanksgiving. So help us to do that. Freddie, will you help? If Freddie will help, everyone will help, right? Amen, amen. Well, we're excited. How many feel the excitement in the air? This is not a time to be sad. It's a time to lift up your eyes and be glad. It's a time to look to the hills from where our help comes from. It's a time to where Jesus said, when you see all these things occurring, don't be depressed and looking down. He said, look up for thy redemption draweth nigh. Amen? Now, how many know that has an expectation with it? To be joyful because there's joy and peace in believing. As we look into this today, it's very interesting that uh, that was rabbi from Israel. He's been communicating with me, APAC senators, and a lot of our Jewish families over there and here have been communicating with us every day, and God is doing something. God is up to something, amen? amen. And so here's what the deal is. We're going to get right into this. So Father, help us by the Holy Ghost to understand the times in which we live, like the sons of Issachar, but also I ask you, 
that we know what we should be doing in Jesus' name. You know, it's very interesting. You see this clashing of college campuses and Harvard University and New York City and all these major cities and many universities just petitioning, saying, poor Hamas, poor Hamas. They're being attacked by Israel. Isn't that crazy? That's like someone comes to your house with a gun and says, get out of here. I'm going to shoot you. And they're trying to run you off. And we say, that guy's the good guy. And the person in the house is the bad guy. Why is this so important? Because the Bible tells us right here in Isaiah, listen what it says, 520. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And put darkness for light and light for darkness. Bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You know, right now we see these times where the, the propaganda of the media sometimes enters into the lies of what people say and spread it. And we call evil good. How is it that somebody could come in on that morning of the 7th of October waking up on the highest holy day, finishing up and wanting to celebrate the Sabbath and you get murdered. People from that made it from the Holocaust that lived that long were in their beds. Babies, people, and somebody just came in and wiped them out in these little areas along the sides of Gaza into Israel. Everyone say that's demonic. What does that have to do with us as the church? It's so important that we stand. Why? And I want to answer that question for you. Why is this so important that we have rabbi that's having a connection and our Jewish brothers and sisters in Squirrel Hill and our messianic rabbi, Pastor Nathan, here today? Why so important? Because this word that came up in the beginning that we don't understand that who is Hamas? What does that name even mean? And it's interesting that it has a, has a meaning in different languages. In the, in the Hebrew language, it's interesting. In the Old Testament of the Bible, it literally means violence or terror. Violence or terror. Hamas. Violence or terror. I was in the Middle East a couple weeks ago, and, 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 and we were kind of joking about Al-Qaeda and Hamas and Hezbollah. And, and I was talking to some people that have been affected by the, the demon possession of people that would want to snuff out another person's life. And it's interesting that in Genesis 6.11, you can find a reference to where God mentions this word for the first time. And he tells us that in these days that Noah was in, that God wanted to destroy. It's interesting that he wanted to destroy the human race. And that word that he uses is Hamas, violence. It's interesting that that's the Hebrew word, but in the Arabic, that word means Hamas, zeal, strength, or bravery. Evil, good, good, evil. It's twisted. Can you see it? Jesus' greatest prayer in the New Testament in Matthew 24 and beyond 25, as he talks about it, it was that the church not be deceived. Don't be deceived. All through the rest, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't call evil good and don't call good evil. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. How many people in the United States of America have been deceived? How many people in our government have been deceived? How many know deception causes you to let borders down and causes you to spend money you don't have? And this deception starts happening and all of a sudden the United States of America becomes real weak and we have people at the border bringing in all kind of people that hate us and they call Israel the little Satan, but guess who the big Satan is? USA. How many know that's a lie? But this is what the antichrist, anti-Semitic message is. They wake up every day and a six, seven-year-old boy is trained when you would say, what do you want to do with your life? And that secularist mindset says, it's seven years old. I want to kill Jews. I want to wipe them off. I want to wipe Israel off the face of the planet. A seven-year-old, six-year-old. How many know that's demonic? This is the word we're dealing with. And so God says, you say, well, pastor, what, what, what's all the issue over what, what, why? Why the fighting? Is it political? No. Is it financial? Not really. Is it just people are angry? Not so. What is the root to this? Genesis 17, 6, and I will make thee an exceeding fruitful. Remember, this is God's promise. Fruitful. And I will make nations out of ye. 
This is a covenant promise. Kings shall come out of thee. I will establish my covenant between me and thee and your seed after thee. Their generations for an everlasting. Someone say everlasting. This is an everlasting covenant to be a God unto you and thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee the seed after thee and the land. Someone say land. That thou art a stranger and the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession the land will be, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thy seed after thee in their generations. This is an ancient old covenant. And I love this because I fell in love with the Jewish people back when I first went into ministry and I, I met some rabbis and I met some guys in Russia actually, some Hasidic Jews and I, I got to ask them questions for about 18 hours on a plane ride and I learned so much about their tassels, their prayer shawl, their frontlets, their yarmulke. They, they told me everything and I was discussing Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and, and it's just interesting that we were at the Western Wall and while General Bob and I were praying and there was people all around us and Bob was pouring out someone's ashes and, and all of a sudden wind blew and dust went all over my shoes. I said, who is that? It was someone's grandfather. And I was like, what is going on right now? But, but we were praying at that wall and I was realizing that the people that were Jews were praying to the same God I was praying to. Maybe in a different way, but they were praying to our God. And I realized we have a covenant with God and God has a covenant with this people and God has a covenant with this land. And so when Amy and I got to be in D.C. and Pastor Mike was in the last, uh, he was one of the faith leaders in the last presidency. So Mike comes out of a room with Jared Kushner and some of these guys that that president might have been crazy. He might have had his issues and probably still does. But he did something that was historical and ancient that that. When he looked over at Jared and he said, what do we do with the Jews? I don't know what to do. And he brought in all the faith leaders. And Mike Hayes, the guy that did our men's retreat, writes a little note. And he pipes up to Jared and says, friend, in his deep booming voice, friend. I don't have that kind of voice, but that deep voice. He said, you can't mess with Israel. This is a God promise, ancient old covenant that we have to make Jerusalem the capital. And President Trump looks over and says, do what he said. How many know that's influence, amen? And because of that, Pastor Mike got on the plane and flew to Israel and helped dedicate Jerusalem, the new embassy there. Because how many know God is doing something in the earth? And when you watch the clock as you would watch your watch, I would say keep your eyes on what happens in Israel. Because that's how we, the church, determine the time and the days in which we live. And how many know this isn't saddening? This is the most exciting time. See, it's a great and terrible days. Those who know God's covenant, it's a great day. Those who don't, it's a terrible day. Because we have a God that neither sleeps nor slumbers. And he said, he watches over Israel. And Israel, he says, is the apple of his eye. How many know that's important that God said that? And so when I look at this and I say, why all this chaos? And we look over in, in Genesis 6 verse 11, he says, And they lived in a time when the world had become vile and corrupt. Violence, that's the word Hamas, was everywhere. God saw the earth, the ruins, and he knew all the people except Noah. And he said he had lived, that had lived corrupt lives and ruined God's plans for them. He had to do something. This is the word that's used to, to literally Hamas of violence to wipe, take people off the face of the earth. And we have that same Gaza Strip where we were several months ago and we see that we are actually in there with Arabic drivers we went in there and we did different things in Bethlehem and different parts that we weren't allowed to be for, for a season just with Amy and I and Mike and Amy and a couple people but it's interesting that, that that area was God's land and man tried to make it his land how many know there's an issue in life when God says something but man tries to have his way with what God says we're not here to break that covenant. We're here to do what God said to do. And this is a spiritual battle that has to be fought, not with guns, not with fighting. See, the, the fighting we're seeing is a manifestation of the spirit. And I love what Nathan said. This is a spiritual thing. 
This is not a physical war that Billy doesn't like Bobby, but it is two brothers, Esau and Jacob, that went different directions in life. It is, a, it, it is about two brothers, Ishmael and Isaac, that went two different directions in life. And now this family feud has gotten bigger. Can we say it that way? It's gotten bigger. And there's hatred one toward another. Is that the issue? Well, we could unpack a lot of that, but the issue is the devil. He hates anything that comes out of Judaism. He hates anything that comes out of Christianity because Israel is a place of the birth of Jesus Christ, where Mary was, who was Jewish. And the scholars and the rabbis who wrote our Bibles that were Jewish, the Hebrew language that was Jewish, and where Christ died in the land of Israel that was Jewish. And then he rose again in a place that was Jewish. And then guess what? He said he's coming again to this place that's Jewish. Can you see why the devil hates it? Come on, church. It's time that we wake up and understand this. Because in this situation in 2 Samuel 1.19, he says, Also he bade them to teach their children of Judah to use the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher, and it says... Beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places, and how are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath, that's actually in Gaza. Publish it not in the streets of Eshkelon, Gaza. Lest the daughters, look, here's the key, of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. What does this mean, pastor? This means there's a thousands of years of war going on between Philistia is where we get the word Palestine. Palestine simply means Philistine. Isn't that interesting? The same demonic spirit of death and violence, Hamas, what was in operation when Adam and Eve sinned and a brother killed another brother. Isn't it this violence has been in the earth where God says, even in the book of Genesis, your seed will crush his head and he will bruise your heel. Now, here's why I'm getting excited, because I read the end of the book, and guess who wins? Jesus is coming back. Come on. Guess who's coming with him to reign? We shall reign with him. you got to get that understanding. Stop thinking about all the temporal. The church has just thought about the temporal. When we think about warfare, oh, someone said, my cat's sick. I'm, I'm experiencing such warfare. It's not warfare. Spiritual warfare. And, and can I tell you this? Listen, this is important. You get this. We as Christians, because we live in America and they have so many comforts, we always try to solve spiritual problems with physical things. We always try to address temporary things. We always try to, try to fix a spiritual problem with a physical thing, and it doesn't work. Like when Peter came to the grave, and here's the attitude of some people. That's why I, if you're a prepper, I'm not making fun of you. I am kind of a little bit. But but. It bothers me that when people think about this, all they're, I'm going to get water for me. I'm going to get food for me. I'm going to get ammo for me. I'm like, what are we doing? You can't fight a fight in the spirit the same way you do in the flesh. So Jesus said, I'm getting ready for something spiritual to happen. I'm going to lay my life down for humanity. And, and here they come to get him, the Garden of Gethsemane. And the soldiers come and Peter whips his sword out. He goes, come on, baby. You're not messing with my Jesus. Whoosh, cuts a guy's ear off. Jesus said, can I tell you right now, if you're getting that kind of watching the news too much and they're getting that kind of anger on you, because there's a remnant in Palestine. There's Christians there. I was just in the Arab world with my son. Are people coming to Jesus like crazy? Are people worshiping Jesus? And the thousands of people that we speak to, 250 million Arabs, and they're coming to Jesus. It's a move of God. Can I tell you right now, there's a, there's a church movement in Iran. They're coming out from underground. And the Iranians, they hate that. They hate those domineering, crazy leaders that want to destroy them, just like Palestine. They're demonic. They're trying to oppress people. But God says, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, Pastor. After this church service, I'm going to go out, go to the gun shop and get me an AR. You see the attitude we get? How many know you don't fight spiritual battles with physical weapons? Because the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they are mighty to God through the pulling down of strongholds. That coming together with rabbi and rabbi and pastor and messianic pastor and myself and us as a congregation, that did more in the heavenlies 
than a massive nuclear bomb. Can I have an amen? John 17 says, Jesus said, I wish that you were one, even as we are one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and when there's unity, it makes an explosive force for God. Stop fighting things in the flesh. Black skin, white skin, Jewish skin, anti-Semitic. Stop it! Come on, Christians, let's wake up! So, so, so listen where we go with this, and I'll give you this real quick. The physical battle comes from a spiritual war. What's behind it? What's behind it? Ready? Just think with me. I'd love to do a Mike Hayes here and go to a two-hour history lesson, but I can't. But, but, but every time a war broke out in Israel, a huge revival followed. Think about this. And, and this is what the Lord gave me. From Haman to Hitler to Hamas, the goal was to wipe Israel off the planet and kill every Jew. But I have a picture with Dr. Lester Summer on Ben-Gurion in Israel in 1948 when it became a nation. And it said, shall a nation be built in a day in Isaiah? So through all the annals of time of the Roman Empire trying to wipe out, and you look at their Roman influence all through Israel trying to wipe out these people. For what reason? Uh, Constantine, uh, Nero, did they want to fight and kill Christians and kill Jews? Hey, it was an anti-Christ, anti-Semitic spirit that wants to see light be off this planet and have it be dark. But how many know, like Dr. Hayes said in John 1, the light the, the, the darkness has never overcome the light. It comprehends it not. How many know this isn't a fight of some, some crazy physical battle? All we have to do is let Jesus come in and turn on our light and live in the light and walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Say, we are the light. We are the light. It's time to be the light. But look, 1948, guess what happened? This is so dear. The latter rain revival. And I, I got to see some of the manifestation of it in Dr. Orr Roberts. Right after that, the healing revival broke out. Right after World War II. Very interesting. The nation that was born in a day. 1967 when I was born. The Six Day War. Guess what happened in 1967? The Catholic Charismatic Renewal in Pittsburgh, PA broke out at Duquesne University. Did you know that? And the power of God swept. That's why my family got swept into the kingdom in that time. A revival broke up. Interesting. There's a city I preach in. We actually have a church in. I wish I could tell you guys all the details. I'll write it in a book one day. But some of the churches we have on the planet, there's a church in October 6th, Egypt. And the first time 16 years ago when I was there, I preached in it. And I said, why do they call this October 6th? There has to be something to do with that war, doesn't there? He said, yeah, because we invaded Israel and we won. They called the city October 6th. It's a real progressive city. But the reality is they didn't win. God shifted things up. And, and over these issues of the Suez Canal and the oil and all this stuff happening. And it was interesting that the evangelical revival of Billy Graham broke out. And guess what? I looked it up, so it's true. That's when Seoul, Korea had a move of God. And a guy named Dr. Paul, young guy Cho, where Mama Lee and some of the Cogley family hails from a revival broke out in Seoul, Korea that exploded. It's the first million million people church that we've ever had. 1973 on that October 6th. But here's what's interesting. 2023, 50 years from that, on October 6th, I was talking to Rabbi, on October 6th, the same day when guys were getting ready to go to the 7th, uh, the high holy day celebration that all these feasts are over and we're going to wake up to, to, to joy and rejoicing and they woke up to murder and destruction, Hamas. Interesting, isn't it? A Jew, supposed to be a jubilee, but 50 years later, the devil's still trying the same thing. 1,500 terrorists came in by foot, by air, by sea, gunned down women, men, children, and cut off the heads of at least, Rabbi said, at least 40 babies, but many, many more, and took 250 hostages. And gives me numbers every, every single day of what God is doing and what the devil's trying to do. But the Bible says it's so interesting that this battle is not with flesh and blood. It is not physical. 
Ready? And this is where I want to talk to you for a few minutes. So, so stay tight with me right here. Because this war is not about just a people group and a family feud. It's about death and it's about life. It's about the author of life and the author of destruction and death. And I love what he says in the old covenant. He says, I've sent before you life and death. Therefore, listen to what he says. Choose life that you and your descendants might live. Choose life. Someone shout, choose life. So as I'm reading this, God says, I'm, and, and can I tell you, I'm not that weird guy. I'm not that weird guy. I have a friend that, a weird guy. That weird guy that, that and, and I, I say this with all due respect, please understand this. I've preached all over the, this nation, and I've watched people get weird trying to go back to the, to the Judaism and try to do all those things that they did under the law. But really, the essence of Romans 11 is they were full of unbelief. And they said, in John, they, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. And to many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons of God. So, so the reality is when they missed their time of visitation, God said, I've come to you, but you didn't receive me. So now I'm going to send Paul, and Paul's going to go to the Gentiles. Because God doesn't move where there's unbelief. God can't move with his religion and tradition. We have a good friend in Jacksonville, Florida, had a massive church. Thousands and thousands shaking the world. But he went, he left his church and went and started a, a, a little small Bible study as he went off the deep end. And he wears prayer shawls and he has these religious coins and he's, he's gone back under the law. And, he's trying, and I'm not saying if you want to celebrate some of that situation, but he lost everything. And him and the 16 people in a room are saying, isn't God good? And they're, 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 they're kissing mezuzahs and they're, they're, they're doing all this religious stuff in Judaism, but they lost the power of the Holy Ghost. That's not what God, God, weird is not a manifestation of the church. Can I have an amen? amen. God does not want us to be weird. He actually wants us to live such a life-giving life filled with the power of the Holy Ghost that the Jews look at us and get jealous. What if Nick Jonas would say, I still get jealous? What if, what, what, if, what if we would be the ones, the church that arouses Israel to say, we want what the Messiah has? Does anyone say that? See, my wife and I minister to at least 40 or 50 Jewish people in our lives right now, and I'm seeing something happening. So when I was in prayer the other day, God opened my eyes, and he said, pray this way for the Jewish people. This is part of my plan in the last days. And he showed me some things in Romans 11. And he said, now pray this way. And he showed me how to pray. And as I was looking at it, I was thinking about it. And I was like, wow. So the, the, the power of God came to the Jews. But they were so caught up in the religious understandings of what they were doing. How many times even in Christianity do we think what we do saves us? That's not the way this works. This is by grace through faith, not of works. No one could ever boast. It's a gift of God. And so listen, give Jesus a shout if you would. So listen, listen, Romans 11, 11, So I am saying Israel stumbled so badly. Look at this. This is powerful. That we got church, we got to get this perspective because we haven't understood this. We feel like we're the church and Israel's way over here. And man, it's so sad for Israel that you got 55 Muslim countries around them. And they got this little place the size of New Jersey and all of all of the earth's trying to wipe it off the planet. Even here in America, in every city and education systems, we have people that are saying how much they hate the Jews and think that Hamas should be able to do whatever they need to do and rooting for the bad guy. Isn't this strange? Calling evil good and good evil. But listen to what he says here. It's because their stumble that salvation now extends to non-Jewish people. In order to make Israel jealous, wow, and desire the very things that God has freely given them. So in all the world is being greatly enriched through their failure. And through their fall of great spiritual wealth is given to the non-Jewish people. Wait, wait, wait. How many know someone, someone was given a gift and they didn't receive it? So God said, all right, you don't want it? I'm going to give it to my other kids. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He sent Jesus down on the triumphant entry. And they were, listen, this is what I want you to get as a church. They were blinded to the truth. 
and they missed their time of visitation. Their Savior was on a donkey. They were praising and rejoicing, but the religious people of their day said, hold your peace, be quiet, don't praise him. And Jesus makes a statement, says, if they don't praise me, the rocks will very cry out in your place. There's the Son of God coming down the road, and he's weeping over Jerusalem. It says, all because you didn't receive your time of visitation, this revelation you're getting today, a Kairos moment where God opens your heart and eyes to what's going on. He says, your children will be dashed to pieces in the streets. All because you didn't discern your, your Kairos, not Kronos, your Kairos, your revelation that you got when you heard the truth and your eyes were open. But their eyes have remained blinded. And so these people... In this day, sitting with my wife and I, and they won't let us go. I, I, I love this. A guy called me. He said, Pastor, do you realize you're a Zionist? You love Israel. You're taking people to Israel. We're supposed to take a trip, which has been canceled. We're leaving December 1st. He said, you love the Holy Land. You love my God. You love the Jews. You love... How many know that's what we should be shouting about? And, 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 and God's doing a work. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm going, the one lady... And so we're sitting there eating dinner with them. And, and, you know, I become all things to all men that I might win some. And this lady's chugging the wine at dinner in a bougie restaurant down in East Liberty. And she stops, looks over at me and Amy. And she would argue different things because secular liberal Jews, they see things a lot different. And she stops and looks at me and puts her glass down and says, Pastor, now that we're here, and Passover just happened. Can you explain to me something? I'm kind of infatuated with the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. Can you explain that to me? And see, the problem has been with Christians. We want to ram Jesus down people's throat instead of just live as the light in front of them. And the, they're getting up hugging us. See, that's that Ark of the Covenant they cry out for. That's the Holy Ghost in us. That's the power of God. And they're hugging us and they're saying, we love you. And the Jews feel threatened like never before in every city in America. One guy went away depressed and he said, I feel like they want to kill my kids and my grandkids and my family. These people are in chaos here because they feel this aggression that's demonic against them. And now we got people as we just listen to them and don't fight with them. Just listen to them and love them. And guess what I see? Their hearts and minds are opening now like I've never seen. I've ministered to Jews for 30-some years in, in personal ways and in different messianic churches across the nation. And now the lights are coming on. How many know this is a huge sign for the church? Can I have an amen? Say the lights are coming on. Listen to what it says. He says, how much more? Listen to this. Verse 12. So if the world is being greatly enriched through their failure... And through their fall of great spiritual wealth is given to the non-Jewish people. Imagine how much more Israel's awakening will bring us all. Come on, how much more? Someone shout. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You say, what's that mean, Pastor? I'm telling you right now. Rabbi's even telling me. People, Christians, Christians, people, people are waking up. People are seeing all of a sudden. In the Arab world, people are seeing Jesus. In Iran, people are seeing Jesus. How many know God has a way to do what he wants to do? And his will is going to come to pass in the earth. How many want to be a part of that? I now speak to you as not Jewish, since I'm an apostle to reach non-Jewish people. I draw attention to the ministry as much as I can when I'm among the Jews, hoping to make them jealous of what God has given those who are not Jews, winning some of my people to salvation. For if they're, look at this, if they're temporary, see the heart of God? No, no, God hasn't forgotten Israel, and neither should we. God hasn't forgot the Jewish people, neither should we. The temporary rejection released the reconciliation, po reconciling power of grace into the world. What will happen when Israel is reinstated and reconciled to God? Look at this. It will unleash resurrection power throughout the whole earth. Come on, someone give a shout. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, like Nathan said, this is getting ready to happen. How many, whoa, 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 I know some of y'all are still in slumber. You're in slumber mode. Okay, I checked the box at church. The day's over for that. I'm here to be religious. The day's over for that. 
How many know this is what you're getting rid of seeing? Can I tell you? Can I tell you? I, I, I'm, I'm a faith guy. <laughs> I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to. And some people are going, I got to get home and clean my pole. You know, the Steelers play at four, Pastor. We got to go. I got pierogies in and there's Italian sausage cooking and I can't wait. And you got to lift up your eyes and get them off the temporary because you are going to be shocked with about what's ready to happen in this season. And see, the reason, it, 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 right, right now when I speak these things, people get go two ways. And, and can I tell you, if you're getting sad, you're too earthly minded. If you're getting sad, you're not walking by faith. If you're getting sad, you're probably not a tither. You haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're getting sad, you're going to try to fight this thing in the physical. And you're going to be shocked when you see what happens. God's concerned about the heart. Listen what he finishes up saying. It will unleash resurrection power throughout the whole earth. Since Abraham and the patriarchs are consecrated and set apart for God, and will their descendants be set apart? Now, now this is key. Look, this is, this is what I've never seen this with clarity like this. If the roots of a tree are holy, set apart for God, so too are the branches. However, some of the branches have been pruned away. And you were once nothing more than a wild olive branch. God has grafted in, inserting you in among the remaining branches as a joint partner to share in the wonderful riches of the cultivated olive stem. Now, what's Paul telling us? He said, this, this was their deal. This was their deal. This was a great deal for them. We got in on it. We got in on their covenant. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing promised to... Do you guys know this? I guess you don't. The blessing promised to Abraham comes upon the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. It's us that were grafted in. God came for the Jewish people who he loved in Israel, but they didn't receive him. So now he comes to the non-Jews and Paul's preaching this gospel. And it's interesting. And I, as I finish this up, I'm going to close because please this homework this week, read Stu, you're the man large in charge. Study, study, study Romans 11. Romans 11, it's huge. But listen, let me finish here. Since Abraham and the patriarchs are consecrated, set apart to God, so also will the descendants be set apart. If the roots of the tree are holy, set apart from God, so are the branches. However, some of the branches have been cut away, but God has grafted you and inserting you branches as joint partner to share in the wonderful riches of the cultivated olive stem. So don't be arrogant. Come on, church. Can I have an amen? amen. Don't be so arrogant as to believe that you are superior to the natural branches. Isn't that good? I don't know. You know, people start saying stupid doctrine, stupid doctrine and theology about the Jews that they know nothing about. And the church is just like, yeah, God will do whatever with, 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 with Jerusalem and Israel, but we're all good, man. We're, no, no, no. We're, we got blessed to get in on their blessing. But now God says, I'm going to open their eyes in the whole world. In 1948, started a nation, and they all are returning home. And when they all get home, I'll tell you, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch God's fighting for Israel, man. How many know God's got this? And so as I see this, he says, don't be so arrogant to believe that you are superior to the natural branches. There is no reason to boast for the new branches don't support the root. Look at this. But you owe your life to the root that supports you. Judeo-Christian values. Come on, give a shout. You owe your life to the root the root and the offspring of David, right? The bright and morning star. So my beloved brothers and sisters, I want to share with you the mystery concerning Israel's future for understanding this mystery will keep you from thinking you already know everything. A partial and temporary hardening of the gospel, partial and temporary hardening of the gospel come over Israel, which will last until the number of non-Jews has come into God's family. How many know we're about there? So, so, so watch this, watch this. And then God will bring all of Israel to salvation. Wow. 
And the prophecy will be fulfilled that says, Come from, coming from Zion will be a savior. And he will turn, to ja turn Jacob away from evil. And this is the covenant promise with them. When I forgive their sins, the people of promise now are being gathered together. This is a sign on God's clock. And like Nathan said, this is accurate. How many know the devil's mad? The devil hates it. That God's trying to show us something through his ancient old covenant. And he's saying, get your eyes on Jerusalem. Get your eyes on Israel. When you see me move like I'm about to move, get ready. Jesus is leaning over eternity. He doesn't know when he's coming, but he's going to look at the Father. He says, go get my church. How many know, but he's not going to do it till there's a sweeping in of a massive amount of Jewish people. How many can shout about that? Let me close with this. Let me close with this. I'm excited. Are you excited? Come on. Will you be a believer with me, Ricky? Did, did your son kill a deer this week? I think I saw him. Come on, bro. RJ, let's go. How old are you, young man? Stand up on your chair. You just killed a deer? But, but, but you know what? You know what? Wow. I never killed a deer that big. But, 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 but listen, listen, as, as we see this unpack and unfold, so what does this mean for the end times? I'll give me five minutes. I'll be out your way. Stu's going to come up here. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, I, I like to preach, but we have to talk because if you don't have information, you perish for a lack of knowledge. A lot of people don't know what's going on. And it says the sons of Issachar had an understanding of the day they were living in and they knew what they should be doing. That's my prayer for our church in this season. How many know that word is doing? Say doing. How many go get some macaroni and cheese? How many gonna go get some hamburger helper? How many gonna be a doer? How many how many gonna bring a bag of groceries this week to the church? You see, and you say, Pastor wants it to bring food. I, no, 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 stop for a minute. I don't care about me. God's always supplied all my needs. When people are hungry and lose their job because of economics or whatever falls them, I'm going to be standing there. You're going to be standing there going, we can feed you. We're the church. Come on. Praise God about that. The lazy spirit of slumber is over. We have to be the church, right? But let me give you this, and I think it will help you, and you can go to the house. So, Pastor, standing with Jerusalem, understanding Hamas, understanding Philistia, or Philistines, or Palestine, this age-old war, it's the enemy. This is what it is. It's not Arabs against Jews. It's the enemy that hates the seed of woman that crushed his head. And he knows he's getting ready to come back for his church, and people will be separated from God and life and light for all eternity and be weeping and gnashing of teeth, stuck. Is it, is it, Pastor, that it's so hot down there and, and there's chaos? Yes, it is. But the worst thing is you're separated from your Creator for eternity because you love your life on this planet, which is temporary. It's a flash in the pan. It's a blink of an eye. It's a vapor that appears, and it's gone. How many want to live for eternity? How many want to do the will of God on this planet? And not just, stay? see, that's why I always bring up money because sometimes... Jesus told us this, this very fact, you can't serve God and money. And some people, they, 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 they mysticize that, oh, I'm just busy with my job, but they can't do God's thing because they're doing their own thing. And he said in the last days that it's going to be full of lovers of self more than lovers of God, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. All the stuff God gave us to enjoy when we seek first the kingdom, we're seeking it first instead of him. And then he says, I can't use you to do my will. And so listen, listen. You say, well, how's this going to unpack Ezekiel 38? This is prophetic. You want to read prophetic stuff? Go home, read Romans 11, Ezekiel 38, 39. It's prophetic of where we live today. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Thou son of man, set your face against Gog and of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Russia, of Metzik and Tabul, Turkey, and Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and these northern Russian countries and prophesy against them and say, thus said the Lord, behold, I am against you, O Gog, Russia, chief ruler, prince of Rosh and Tabul and all these northern Turkish areas around them. And I will turn you back and put hooks in your jaws and I will bring you forth and all your army and horsemen 
And all those clothed in full armor and a great company of a buckler and a shield and all them handling swords. Verse 5, Persia, Iran, that's Iran. Cush, Ethiopia, Libya with them. And all them with a shield and a helmet. Gomer, more areas around Turkey. Some believe it spreads as far as Germany. And all his hordes and the houses of Togoma and the utmost parts of the north and his hordes. Many people are with you. You, Gog, be prepared. Yes, prepare yourself. You and all your companies that are assembled about you. And you will be a guard of the commander of them. You say, Pastor, what, what, you can go on and read this. You say, what's going to happen? And, and I want to tell you this prophetically. Because when he says, you see all these things, lift up your eyes for your redemption draweth nigh. Lift up your head. People say, it prophetically, no one will help Russia. So right now, this isn't prophetic because America's helping Russia. Or excuse me, America's helping Israel. It says, Israel will stand alone and, and I'll put a hook in the jaws of Russia. So, so here's, here's sometimes where we miss it. We're not here to preach a fear and failure sermon. You got to get ready. Tomorrow Jesus could come and scare you into salvation. That'd be like scaring you into a marriage. Like, if you don't marry this girl, you'll be in trouble. No, I married that girl because she's the will of God. And I love her. And I have a relationship with her. It has nothing to do with, you, you have to. No, no, no. This wedding feast that God's coming back for is a love feast. It's a marriage supper of a lamb. It's about loving people. It's not about killing people and blowing up the world. It's about loving people. It's about the love of God that shed abroad in her heart. So the reality is, God says, when you see all these things happen, can I tell you? As they said the other day on the news that that if Gaza goes in the ground, Iran's coming in. We already have our ships everywhere. And and we're doing more than you think and know as, as the U.S., And thank God our president finally said something worth something that we will stand with Israel. Can I have an amen? I'm not against the government. I pray for him every day. But how many know the devil can use a leader or God can use a leader? And we have to line up the word of God and our leadership with his word, not our word. But if you see and know right now that there's uranium being switched, they say they might have a nuclear warhead already in Iran. But they're working with Russia like that. Did you know that? They become best buddies. So if Iran gets in and you start to hear on the news, Russia's starting to engage, get your Nike Airs on. We're getting ready to jump. We're getting ready to go up. And I'm not sad about that because everything will be beautiful in his time. So here's here's the reality. You ready? Here's the reality. But God's got a lot of work to do. And I believe as I was praying the other day, the Lord said, and this is what connected me to this. I was praying up at the North Campus and the Lord said, pray right now for the massive harvest of Jews. Because right after this war and right now, they're starting to get ministered to. And their eyes are opening now to see God's plan that Jesus is the Messiah. How many are all right to pray that way? Amen. What if the church was praying for the will of God, not just for the church, but for Jerusalem? For the peace and shalom of Jerusalem. What if we were not just turning to First Thessalonians and go, for we will say unto the word of the Lord that we are with alive, we that are alive and remain, and the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them, excuse me, them in which are asleep. And the Lord himself shall descend from the heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. He's not coming to touch the earth. He's coming to the clouds first. He says, to meet the Lord in the air, so will we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, look, 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 look. Freak each other out. Be fearful. Comfort one another with these words. I close today in this way. You watch it online. As a pastor who loves you, get your house in order. Get your marriage in order. Get your finances in order. Get in the word and listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. He said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit says to the church. Get rid of your secular mindset. Get rid of America so great that you serve America. No, we serve Jesus. We're praying for his will to be done. Let's get our focus off the will of what we want and get our focus on what God wants. And his kingdom is coming and his will is being done. But we got to ask ourselves, will you be a part of this last day harvest? He that keeps Israel will not sleep nor slumber. 
There's a massive hunger in the Jews today. If I could show you what my phone is saying to people that live in Squirrel Hill, to people that live in Jerusalem, to people that live all around here and all around the United States, there's a hunger like I've never seen before in the conversation with the Jewish people. And how many know God loves them? And it's the root of Judaism that got us grafted in to the blessing that God had for them till the whole earth hears. And so, as Jesus comes down on a donkey, it was very funny because my in-laws were ministering to some Jewish people in Miami. And they were asking questions about when will the Messiah come on a donkey? When will the Messiah come on a donkey? Well, guys, thank God he's already come. As the church, let's not miss our time of visitation and the Jewish people I love to go to that wall the western wall they're so diligent to pray there God's hearing their prayers God's going to answer their prayers this incense and the prayers of the saints has gone up before God and I just come to tell you today God is never late he is right on time And he's dealing with the hearts of every human being in this room. And he's saying, please open up your heart. Open up your eyes. See my plan. Don't miss your time of visitation. In 44 of Luke 19, he says, I love what he says, For the day is soon coming when your enemies will surround you, hem you in on every side, and lay siege to you. They will crush you into pieces, and your children too. And they will leave your city totally destroyed since you would not recognize. Listen, this is is written in red. This is what Jesus said. It's not something I made. They would not recognize God's day of visitation. You will see your day of devastation. 